It's the Conflab. It means an intimate or private discussion or conversation. Welcome back to the Conflab, everyone, from wherever you're listening, whether you're driving a car or walking on the beach or you're painting in a, an airport or a shopping centre like our next guest, or our now guest, Danny Simpson. Hi, Danny. Hello. Welcome all the way from, I'm, I'm going to be really cautious now how to say this, Bally Castle. Bally Castle. Bally Castle in Ireland. <laughs> So from wherever you're listening, welcome to the Conflab. We've got a great guest today and I can't wait to introduce everyone to Danny. Uh, we've got some great content to get through and I, I just so appreciate she's got out of bed super early. It's uh, summer over there or autumn and it's still cold, very, very cold. <laughs> Whereas here we are in the middle of winter and wearing T-shirts and th- shorts. So from the Gold Coast all the way to Bali Castle in Ireland. So... <laughs> It's going to be good. Anyway, we'll just jump into Danny's bio to give you guys all a bit of a snapshot on this beautiful human. So Danny was born in northern New South Wales and she grew up on the Gold Coast. And as a kid, she was quite introverted but with a wild imagination. And we'll get more into that stuff as we get uh, further into the podcast. Uh, She chased after leadership in school, becoming a school captain in both primary and secondary school. Danny was very entrepreneurial as a kid and she loved making money from washing cars to busking at markets. She also did a graphic design apprenticeship while she was still in school and once she had finished school, she went off, she was given the opportunity to go to uni to study, to become a teacher in both arts and maths. However, she deferred that, giving up the chance for that as a career. She finished her apprenticeship in graphic design and worked full-time in the makeup industry. And she was given the uh, opportunities of of obtaining experience in management on sales and marketing in that industry. Some big changes started to happen for Danny around the age of 10 to 24 and we'll knock on the door of that Pandora's box a little later and see what comes out. Uh, This this change led to uh, what started as a hobby to help her deal with anxiety and has now become a full-time career. And Danny started to travel after this and around travel the whole world and she used this art or this hobby to help pay her way and then she's met her now partner Carl and they are currently live together in Ballycastle, ah, there we go, Ballycastle <laughs> Island where they have a studio and they work together from and Danny, she, they, they both travel all over Europe uh, and painting. She gets commissioned by local governments and local enterprise and organisations to do her style of art on their buildings. So really excited to have you, Danny. Welcome. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be here and, and sit down and have this chat. Yeah, it's going to be good to get right into it. And uh, just to ask you now, how is the, the great man, Carl? He is going good. He's been working on a few portraits, actually. So he's keeping himself nice and busy. I hear that he's growing his hair. He is. He'll kill me if I say that on here. <laughs> oh, that's all right. I'll I'll buy him the first beer when he gets off a plane back in Oz when he gets here. Well, that'll make it all better. <laughs> I'm sure it will. Well, the um 
the, the name of our podcast today or the main subject, again, we're still anchoring into the season of identity, but the name of this podcast or the main subject is I've found myself and my life in art. And that's what Danny has done. She, uh, she had a big sideways moment there for a while and she was developing art and graphic design, but something, something took her, gave her a nudge in the right direction, which has helped her um, deal with some pretty heavy anxieties and pretty heavy stuff that went down in her life. And, and where oh, she is an inspiration to me and my family because she's uh, one of these people that has enough balls to step over the edge on anything she goes for. So, Danny, I hope you know that uh, you've inspired me to uh, go all, all in on a lot of, a lot of things that I'm doing. Um, and it's been watching the people around me. And we had Josh, Josh coming on our on our last guest podcast, and he was the same. He's like all in on on big things. And you've been such an inspiration. And to my family, like my kids, they're all inspired by what you do and and who you are. So, so looking forward to digging into this. Oh, look, it works both ways. I think you are who you, who you surround yourself with as well. So. I've certainly been inspired by, I'm losing my voice, <laughs> I've certainly been inspired by by you guys because how early it is in the morning. Mm, yeah. I haven't quite found my voice yet. I haven't, haven't had the first couple of pre, pretty heavy shots of coffee, but that's, that's all right. No, there's actually, do you know what, is that early here that there is not even a coffee shop open that you'd be able to get a coffee from, so. Oh, well, well. I, I'm I'm wearing an MC's t-shirt and they open at 5.30 every morning and I get a great coffee from them every time. Well, see, this is completely off topic, but here we go. Um, I always think it's so strange that coffee shops don't open until like 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock over here. I'm like, you need coffee. Yeah. Like between 5 and yeah. 9, that's when yeah. you need the yeah. coffee. that's right. You, anyway. You can't start living. Your heart doesn't start without a coffee, I don't reckon. <laughs> Actually, I say that, but I don't get mine till later in the day now. So, getting older. <laughs> so, we're going to just jump into the the first couple of questions, Danny. Before we do, uh, well, obviously, you went through a shift at around the age of twenty four. How has that impacted who you are? I think if you had to ask me at twenty four who I am, I'd have a completely different story. Um, I think deep down, like in it was sort of like in my core values and everything, I've always been the same. That's never, ever changed. I've always been ambitious. I've been independent, kind, compassionate, loyal. There's the anxiety side's always been there. You know, like I've always been that same person. But at the age of 24 when, you know, my life took a big shift, I certainly learned to sort of grow a little bit more independent and into things that I enjoy myself and that allowed me to sort of express my creativity a lot more and do things that I enjoy purely for myself. I think I was always so used to doing things with someone else in mind and that was sort of a chance. And I always say, I always remember your lovely Amanda saying to me, it's so lovely to watch you bloom and she used the word bloom and I thought it was just such a really nice way of putting it because it was where I was just becoming my own person and finding what I love and enjoy. So I think I'm a, a different person to what I was when I was 24. I'm I'm a, a businesswoman now. I have my own business. I'm an artist. 
I am living on the other side of the world, which is insane. Um, I never would have imagined that I would have the guts, I would say, to pack everything up and move abroad, which I'm sure we'll get more, more into. But I sort of, I've learned how to deal with taking the plunge, let's say, a little bit more. So I think you're always growing and you're always developing, but deep down I've always been the same, but I'm just on this new chapter now. That was great what you said about you, you've kept your values or, you know, your virtues and values have been the same, but something changed where you started going after more of Danny rather than the servant Danny. And I probably, I probably want to use that word servant because we – can sometimes be so attuned when we're broken or we have we struggle with approval or or anything like that. I'm not saying you did. We can so betray our own self to serve others and their needs. And but what I loved is that your virtues and your values stay the same. And sometimes they can they can become a bit of a they can add to our servanthood. And I love the fact that you've emerged out of that into you going after you. So. Is there anything else you want to add or give, like, I really want your people, the people that, that follow you and love Danny, that that see you on Instagram or, or whatever uh, art you do or they run into you in the street and they know you as this beautiful artist, but is there anything else you can add to show all of, the, all of your people, like we, us, because we're your people, um, who you really are? Like, pair back, not the artist, not this, not that, but. Who is Danny Simpson? Oh, such a deep I, question. I, I know that's a deep. I know that's a deep question, but I just want to add something funny. I, I ran into one of my my listeners the other day, and it's obviously becoming a thing. This question, "Who is?" and they answered me. And they said, "Oh, look, I've been. I know who I. Oh, I know that. You know, you've been asking that question. Who is?" And they went, "I know who I am. I'm just a rootin', tootin', good Aussie bloke." <laughs> So I thought, oh, I think maybe you've still got some work on on some depth there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll Can let I you all that? guess. I'll let you all guess who that was. But anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> Do so, I know them? <laughs> sorry. Do I know them? You well and truly do know that person. Yeah. I I kind of feel like I know who would have said that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll let you name them, shame them if you feel like it. But anyway, so let's just get back <laughs> well, to that. I don't want to say the wrong person. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't even give you an answer if you said. No matter who you said. <laughs> <laughs> so, so who is Danny? Oh, it's as I said, it is a deep question, and I think you sort of you never really sit down and think like who who am I? You never really do that. You life life moves and you just keep going, and you don't really get that opportunity. So, I think like I'm deaf. As you said at the start, like I'm an artist, but I'm also deep down a creative. I've always been a creative person. I think back to when I was really young and I would be sitting in my, like when I would go down to my nan's house in Narrabri and I'd be sitting in the little spare room and I would be playing imaginary things and I would be drawing and I would be coming up with different things. So I've always been someone who has an imagination, a wild one, everyone does, but a wild one and would be creative. 
I think I've always been really, really ambitious. And if you ask my mom and dad, they would probably say to you um, that maybe I was I was one of those I was one of those annoying kids at school that sort of like went for everything. Like I won every award. Like I actually still have a book at my dad's. It was, it's like a bind book with all my awards that I ever won at school. <laughs> I just. I think I really liked that sense of achievement and it's it sort of was what motivated me and what keeps me going and it, it still is to this day a sense of achievement. So, you know, like when I first started doing art, my very first market, I didn't sell anything and to now get to a point that I'm having a stall at one of Europe's biggest Christmas continental markets and I sold out nearly every day that was a sense of an achievement for me that keeps me going and I think I unlocked that quite early on and worked out that that is sort of what sort of motivated me I think also like my parents going through divorce when I was about eight I think I always wanted to just be the easy child. <laughs> Sorry to my older sister, but you know, she was the hard one. <laughs> but I always just wanted to be the easy child that made them proud and and did things that to the best of my ability. I never wanted to necessarily be the best out of everyone at everything, but I always definitely wanted to be the best that I could be and the best person that I could be as well. So I I think along that and then also being just someone who wants to travel and experience things and that's only been a new thing that I've <clears throat> awoken to. I tried travelling when I was younger and I, I really hated being away from home. Um, but now I think I've sort of found this, the beauty of of being in a new city. I don't know if you get it, but... And Carl always laughs at me because he can tell when I'm really excited when we go somewhere new. I just can't stop talking. I am so excited <laughs> because you're walking down a street and you don't know where you are. Yeah. And people are just like you're trying new food, you're seeing new things, and it just creates this like sense of creativity as well in mm. me. And finally unlocked enjoying traveling and that's become a huge part of who I am. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I love that. Is there any other layers? (laughs) Any any other layers there? I think like who, as, as I was sort of said earlier, like to you that like, I think you are who you surround yourself with and I'm really, really lucky. My circle of people, has certainly gotten a lot smaller since I've moved abroad. You do mm-hmm. fall out of touch with a lot of friends. Um, but the main people, you know, your your beautiful circle of people will always remain the same no matter where you are. And I'm lucky enough to have such a diverse range of people who I can I can connect and make memories with and call upon or be there for whenever I need to, I think that is a huge part of who I am as well. And uh, I'm like trying not to make sure I get choked up here because I'm doing a bloody cry on this thing. Um, (laughs) I think 
which we definitely will delve into, but this whole pandemic thing and being away from family for so long has certainly altered who I am. I'm... I'm um, Our producer's already crying. I know, I just read that so that I lost my (laughs) words. (laughs) He's already crying. (laughs) I, um, I sort of had to learn how to be apart from my circle a lot more. I really had to delve into a strength that I didn't know. And it's just, I think that's altered who I am. And, and it's not necessarily a bad thing at all. It's definitely made me a lot stronger. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 that's who I am. <laughs> that's great, Danny. And, and what, what I heard was, and, and I, I, I would, we're going to get into this. We are, are going to break into this in a minute. But what I heard in what you were talking about was someone that was very competitive with themselves, not necessarily competitive with others, but competitive with themselves, likes to achieve. Um, and, you know, it's such a good thing to have. It's such a good attribute to have. You know, it, it's, it, can be, it can be scorned on. People can look at things like that and go, you know, because they don't make it. But I love hearing from people who who always want to out, outdo themselves. Uh, like I hear Jordan Peterson says this, the, the person you need to beat is the person you were yesterday. And that's how you should live your life, always trying to be better every day the next day. And so okay. that's all I hear like from, from what you said about your identity and I think that's probably a really good – like all those other beautiful things, like you, you, you found travel, and I'm the same. Like, guy gets so bloody excited when I go to a new town. The smells, and it, it's some places, you know, like not all places. Some I, 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 <laughs> I went to Abu Dhabi a couple of years ago, and I, I, it was clean and pristine, and all, I guess, beautiful and fast cars, and, and I hated every bloody minute. I, I couldn't wait to get back on that plane and fly into Mumbai. And get off, get out of the airport in Mumbai at like eleven o'clock at night, and it's just fast, noisy, messy, smelly. And I had a smile from ear to ear. I think I was depressed the whole time <laughs> I was in Abu Dhabi. So yeah, I, I love travel as well. So that's like a layer of who you are. So you gave yeah. us a great a great answer there. And I loved the deeper part of you are competitive with yourself. So you're always trying to better yourself. And something flicked there early on. Obviously, that's that that you, the, the universe has given you a nudge in another direction to really help you find yourself and obviously deal with some anxieties and so on. So I just want to give everyone else a bit of a snapshot. We first met you through a connection we had, Maddie Buchanan, uh, a.k.a. Shannon the Love Cannon Buchanan, and I can't let anyone else know about that. It's a bit of a, a side joke. And um, and I've loved seeing you flourish. Now, you was, used that word before that my beautiful wife says, watched, loved watching you bloom. Um, but I loved watch, I've loved watching you flourish into the independent but interdependent person that you are. And, and I use that term very strongly because – I really do think you said it. It's the people that are around you, you know, and and so like this is a little, a little bit of a 
a little bit of advice to everyone who's listening. If you're in a people group that's holding you back from what you really feel you should be doing, leave. Find new people. Find people that are going to inspire you, encourage you, tell you you can do it rather than people that are going to try and compete with you or, or anything like that. That's what Danny has done. She's actually got good people around her and, and uh, we'll get into some of the things that she's been doing soon with her art. What, what has been the catalyst for you to go after this, like this true independent and interdependent? Now, when I say interdependent, I mean you've learned how to be independent but also learn how to lean on people at the same time properly. Yeah, so so do you mean like with with where I am in terms of my work and everything? Yeah, where yeah. You, well, where where you are as a person, your identity. Yeah, and then where yeah. you, you know what was the catalyst that's pushed you this direction? I I think it's just like as I said, like I really wouldn't have imagined that I would be living the life that I'm living at the moment. Um, you know. If, even even four years ago, I, I didn't think that I would be living over here for as long. I thought I'd be gone for three months, much to my family and no, friends. We're, we're all hoping that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think I always wanted to be creative. I always wanted to be someone who was successful. I did, you know, without sounding like, you know, like, I'm up myself or anything, but I always did think that when I was younger, I was going to do something good. I was going to do something bigger than myself. Like I, I just, I had this feeling that I was going to do that. I just didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know how I was going to do it or anything like that. I just knew I had that ambition to be able to to try and, and strive for, for it. I think it took a lot of finding myself to work out where that was. And it's sort of, as I said before, I was always creative, but I didn't know how I was creative. I thought that, you know, to be an artist, you had to be able to draw portraits and, you know, be up in an art gallery in the Louvre or or whatnot. Like that's what I thought being an artist was. So, you know, I went down different paths. I tried doing graphic design. I hated working on a computer and not being able to physically draw, but then I hated actually physically drawing. So, like, I just didn't know what was my medium, what was my way of expressing who I am. And then also, you know, I think this is very important for anyone who wants to be a freelancer to understand I thought when you become a a freelance full-time artist that you'd just be like sitting at the cafe all day just drawing away and I was like, what a life that will be. Are we just at the beach all day, whatever? It's not. I do so much admin that it's ridiculous and about 30% of my time is, is doing art. So you really have to learn to be a business person and have that sort of drive to be able to be successful and I completely know I've just completely gone off tangent of your question but I think it's really important that I I think as much as I'm an artist I think I'm also a businesswoman first I have to be otherwise I can't pay for the roof above my head here so such good advice Danny question I'm sorry no no (laughs) well it was just what's the catalyst that pushed it this way but you've given us the answers anyway so but let's just 
let's just hold there in that um, space for a minute because it's really, really good advice. And I, I've been in business for a lot of years and we've started multiple businesses uh, and other things and some recently. And what we know that others don't know is that it's not the thing that you do, that's the commodity. It's, it's more the admin and the systems that you put around it that make the business successful. And some of the clients that I work with in my coaching, it's like that they don't understand that, oh, well, well, this is what I do. No, no, no. It, it's not, that's not the part. Like, yeah, that's what you offer and it's a commodity and it can be beautiful, it can be anything, but the admin side of it, and I, I really appreciate you saying that because that's what a lot of people don't know. They will jump out and become a freelancer, whatever they're going to do, which is, which is phenomenal. We need our creative gift to do that. But we also need to anchor into our ability to and be smart about it for us to be successful. So, well said. Absolutely love it. You have to learn to wear a lot of hats. Yes, you do. A lot of hats. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, for me, I've sort of had to deal with I'm in a different country that has different different, um, systems. I, you know, I learned what that was. I didn't know what that was. I learned that the tax was different and I really had to to sort of be really quite switched on and, and smart and with all of that sort of stuff, which I still don't think I've kind of like, don't, don't worry, I pay my taxes, but like I still don't think I've <laughs> quite worked out every little system of streamlining it. But you sort of really have to learn that quite quickly and, and first. Yes, yeah, you, you definitely do. But obviously you're journey going through um we, we look back at your bio and and you chased after leadership in school and you were trying to achieve and that's that's made you that adaptable to be able to go hang on I'm, I'm i'm loving my art i'm loving my creative gift and if i want to be sustainable in doing what i'm doing and have the reach and the influence that i'm obtaining there's another there's another thing here so all props to you that is a fantastic uh, recognition that you've come across to go. You can't. You can't just paint all day in a cafe and act like Artie. No, you've got business to do. And for me, I'm lucky enough to have the person in my world that looks after all that stuff and corrects me. And that's my. That's our. That's our producer today, Mia. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I was lost without her there. So yeah, um, props to you for that. And what part of what part of that does Carl play? Well, Carl has his own business, so he does his own art, he has his own style, but we come together on the bigger projects. So anything that's quite large, like where we were just painting in the airport, which was a really big job, we both worked together. So I designed it and then he would, he just, he just knows how to come in and and make it so much easier when we're both working together. So that's sort of how it works. And then anything that's travel-based jobs, he'll his hand up and be like, yep, I'll go to Manchester and we'll, we'll do this mural together as well. So, and it works both ways. Anything that he has that's big, I would I would help him out or, you know, and, and guide him as well. So it's just nice to sort of have that your own style, your own projects, your own business, but we work side to side. So to, for an example, we've just got our new studio, which I'm sitting in, and it's actually two units with a door in between um, that open up to being one big unit. 
So one side is apparently mine. One side is is his. So um, that's that's the the den in there. He said he's going to paint all the walls black, the floor black. And on my side, I'm like white walls. <laughs> so it's very, I guess it's very yin yang, isn't it? Very yin yang, yeah. yeah well, that, that's that's cool. Is there any ever any conflict in the art rooms? I think like sometimes when we're doing jobs. It's certainly really hard when we're around each other all the time. Yeah. And like I know that I'm not a perfect human. Like I know that sometimes if I'm stressed, I can be a little bit snappy or whatnot. Um, and obviously, you know, like for him, he's he's coming in trying to help me on projects if it's that case. And, you know, for me to turn around and be like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> like obviously sometimes there's that. I think during the pandemic we spent, all of our time together. I was working from home. He was working from home. We did not leave each other's side. And so it's actually kind of nice to have these two separate spaces. We can close the door. He can put his podcast on. I can put mine on and just work separately but together. I think yeah. it's better for the both of us. <laughs> <laughs> and the longevity. See, I was going to ask, like, has, how's that impacting on the relationship? Oh, it's certainly like is sometimes difficult when we're constantly together. I think now that, as I said, we've got the studio and we've sort of, I think, come to the realisation that we do need to have that little bit of time apart to appreciate the time that you are together. Yeah, nice. Um, is, is really, really important. But other than that, like I think, you know, we get someone said it was quite funny. Now I do not say this, but someone said to us, "Oh, you guys are like a power couple," and I just thought that was hilarious. And I said to him, "I said, God, we're a power couple." And I always <laughs> make a joke about it every time we're like painting a mural, having a little argument. I'm like, but we're a power couple. Um, I think it comes back to we have to remind ourselves that we're so lucky that we're doing something that we both love together while traveling, and are good at it. Like we have yeah. to remind ourselves that there's some people who would absolutely kill to have that opportunity and we have it sitting right in front of us. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we do come back to that quite a lot. <laughs> but so we are al- normal. <laughs> so it's almost like you've, and I love this thought, um, I'm just going off what you're saying and picking up how, you know, what I'm picking up out of it. But just what you just last said is like, showing so much gratitude for the opportunities that you both have. We, it's almost like you have a responsibility to be, to make it better for others, to show them that they can. It's when you get that gifted that you both are a power couple in that area of, of the... You won't uh, use of, that term. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure he will love that. Shout out to Carl. <laughs> love you, mate. Um but it's almost like there's a weight behind that as well. There's a there's yeah. a weight of responsibility to make sure that you are continually improving for people to to see and for people to be inspired. Do you ever feel weight and responsibility for that? I do. I think there's also like a huge amount of pressure in terms of like, you know, I built my business a lot off social media and I feel like there's a huge pressure sometimes to constantly be actively creating and showing that I'm doing that and evolving. And perhaps that pressure is good because it it keeps you in line and it, it keeps you doing it. 
Um, but there is certainly some times where you do feel that pressure a little bit too too much and I think I think the pressure also comes from myself. I am I've really struggled to say no to jobs or no to things because I think of a time where I would have absolutely killed to have that opportunity where I didn't have those opportunities. The and then I people. end up with this massive full plate and I don't know how to to get through it. Um so if anything, the pressure purely comes from myself of of sort of putting too much, as I said, on my plate and and not being able to get through it. Do, do you so? Do you anchor back into your values? Like you've got, you sent me your list of values, and it, it blows my mind how articulate you are with them, uh, which I, I love know, I'm because I'm my phone. Yeah, there's such an important um, there's such an important thing for us to have as as anchor. So with what you're just saying about the pressure of um, of that you put on yourself, how often do you go, hang on, does this does this pressure I'm applying to myself, does it line up with my integrity and my independence and my creativity and my courage and my growth? By the way, they're the five top values that Danny had shared with me earlier. But <laughs> how often do you feel of that that expectation or that unwritten expectation you have for yourself of, I can't say no to jobs. I can't. How often do you go back and go, hang on? But does it line up with, with these five characteristics that really are who I am? Look, I get lost in it all the time. Like, and I will be the first person to admit that maybe in the last couple of months, I have, I have probably put myself under way too much pressure and have worked and, and it's sort of lost lost myself in the way of like, you know, for example, Mia sent me a message the other day and I'm still to get back to her because I've put myself under such a workload that I'm losing that um, that part where, you know, like I'm not putting probably some of my relationships before my work and it's just purely because I'm just like, I'm just trying to get through what's in front of me. And then I have to remind myself, well, this isn't what this isn't what I was meant to be doing. I was meant to be doing something that I love. And it wasn't meant to be pressure. It wasn't meant to have that pressure. Like I always thought, okay, doing full-time art, you know, I could go to the gym in the morning. I'll have all this time. Because it's my time. I can divvy that time up. But at the moment, it's just like I wake up and I start doing work and then I, I go through. And I recognise I'm not here to tell you that I have this great system because I don't have a great system right now, but I'm working on it. And I think you constantly evolve and will find out how things should be and, and what works for you and what works for the people that are around you as well. So I think it's constantly just reminding yourself where you should be and I think that's where having breaks and holidays really do come in. Mm to it where we were in Australia at the um, start of the year oh I can't even express to you how much I needed that six weeks and it it was to it was a real reset where you let everything slow right down right down which was quite stressful for me to go what work have I got coming on but you needed to do that to be able to go, well, this is what brings me happiness. This is what makes me the best version of myself and then start again, do you know? So yeah. I'm constantly having a reset. 
Yeah. And that's good for everyone else to hear that as well because we do need to have these little things that remind us of our who, um, you know, our who, you know, who are we and, and, and these, and I, I think, and we'll get into the 24 thing in a minute because that actually does segue into what we're about to talk about. But I think that the more time that we spend focusing on the do and not the who, then eventually we get a nudge one way or another, whether it's our health or whether it's uh, something completely from side, like even people, you know, uh, that, that, that might pass or we lose friends or, or, or financial struggles, all that sort of stuff is always for me, whether it happens um, to us from another direction or whether it, we've, we've actually instigated ourselves, it's always an opportunity to go, hang on, am I anchoring myself into my who? into my, you know, yeah. values, into my real person. And and it sounds to me like you're, you're very stable in that. So, you know, it, it takes a lot of self-belief though to have been uh, able to get to where you are and have the influence that you do. And for people like who contact you constantly and say, hey, we want you to come and paint the airport or we want you to put your art and your signature all over the outside of our pub or we want you to... The can- a, a local council will come and get you, and and so what is what has been? Where did that drive come from? Like that's what I'm trying to ask. Is you've become very influential in this world, and but that takes mm-hmm. something. That takes it doesn't happen by a minute. And we talked earlier about you being competitive with yourself, but is there somewhere else where that drive has come from? Well, just. Remind me of something someone said when I, so I was working, um, as, as I said in the bio, so I was working full time in a fantastic job, absolutely loved it. So I had worked for that company since I was 14 um, in the retail store. And then I went in to the makeup factory that they had and I worked sales and marketing, absolute dream job. There's a whole makeup factory behind me. So for any girl, like I was just surrounded by such a great opportunity but when I found art, I just decided one day, like I got myself out of debt, which I was in quite a bit of debt. So I'd worked really hard when I'd done the art and put all that money aside to pay off the debt, got to a point that I had money saved. And I thought, where do I, where do I go now? Like what's the next goal? And it was I decided that I, I really wanted to travel. But in order for me to travel, I kind of had to give up everything I've just worked for, like, and someone turned around to me and um, when I had put my notice in at my job and she turned around, she's like, I wish I was brave. And no, what'd she say? You're very brave um, giving up everything you've ever worked for to go and travel. And I thought that's such a weird thing to say someone, but it is true. Like I did, I was, I was giving up a stable job that I worked for since I was 14 my house that I was in, um, you know, I was selling my car, all my belongings for a one-way ticket. I just built a business where I'd started getting jobs in Australia to go live in another side of the world that I don't know anyone. I think that comes back to, you know, the reset I had when I was 24 because I realised that that was such a big reset that I was capable of doing that anytime I wanted to because I knew that I could do that again and start again and build something new. But I realised that it wasn't like I was giving up everything. That was the reason 
I was working so hard. The reason I was working so hard was to have this financial freedom, was to be able to have the freedom to travel, to be able to have the freedom to do art. I wasn't giving up anything. I just already had worked to what I wanted to get to, and this was just the next step. So I I think that was like where I had to just realise that that was my goal and that was where I wanted to be and what I wanted to travel and do. And, you know, like you have to sort of trust yourself. And I was so nervous moving overseas. I thought, what if, what if I don't like it? What if I don't do it? What if I, what if I fail? Like what if I fail? And what I learned with my anxiety that I have, and I'm sure we'll go into, is that I need to set myself a what if worst case scenario just so that I'm prepared right and it's not a negative thing but I just found this is what works best for me so I set that so my expectations are never gonna drop if you know what I mean I know what I'm prepared for so if I'm painting a big wall and I walk into a space and I think oh gosh how am I gonna do that which it happens all the time like I won't lie to you I think how am I gonna get that little picture here onto that wall (laughs) It's a white wall, or I tell myself it's a white wall. If I if I can't get it, I'll just paint it white again and give them the money back. Like it's maybe that's not the right mentality, but for me that's what works because I just know that what's the worst that can happen? How will I deal with that situation if it happens? And that relieves a lot of that anxiety and gives me the belief that okay, I can do this. Just break it up into into little bite-sized pieces and then go for it. Oh, what a great! I don't know if that answered your question. Well, <laughs> well, I, I asked what was the drive that got you to where you are, but I think you just gave that up completely, and it was so good because <laughs> you, you know you even said I don't know if that's right, I don't know if that's right mentally or emotionally the right answer. Um, you know, having a what if, but I think it is. I think it's, I think it's really mature, and I think it's really emotionally agile to be able to go. Right now I feel a lot of pressure to perform this particular task or, you know, and that's all it is, is like selling everything you had, piling all your money together, working so hard to get there and then getting on a plane to go to the other side of the world with a one-way ticket. It's still a task. It's what, mm. you, what you were going to do. And having that little internal mechanism, and I'd love to know where that came from because it was so beautiful and I want everyone who does struggle with the fear to step out you know the the and and what I've learned recently is is that is ego just trying to protect you, just yeah. trying to stop you from getting hurt. We we it might be an insecurity or something like that, but it's our ego. It's our alter ego sitting on the other side of going. You know what? You you could fail here and and you could look stupid. And you've developed something without without any sort of help to be able to go. Yeah, but what if? What if? What if, what if what if I fail? What what's the worst that's going to happen? Well, I'll just repaint that wall white, or I can just come home, or, or whatever. Yeah. And it, so it's really beautiful and really mature, Danny, um, and, and it's inspiring to hear that from from yourself. So let's get a little deeper now, and I, I want you to have license to talk about um, what was the what was the thing what 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 happened in your life that whatever it was, whether it was a traumatic act or whether it was a self-realisation or a self-awareness or an epiphany or, or whatever it was, what happened at 24? And please, like, 
listeners, we've allowed Danny to talk at her level here. So, and she's a very respectful person. So she's going to open up to whatever she wants to. So you can just go for it then, Danny. I think to give like a bit of backstory behind it, um, I had been in a relationship since I was like 16 in some form of a relationship. So I never really experienced adult life on my own, if you know what I mean. Like I'd never like had to make decisions for myself. I always had to make decisions with someone else in mind, which is, you know, a really, you know, I sort of feel like I did it the other way around. I did my 20s the opposite way around where I I learned how to be loyal and compassionate and loving and kind and, you know, put others before me as much as I can. And they're beautiful traits to have. And so it would have been, I must have been around, well, it would have been my early 20s where I started to really suffer a lot from anxiety and I never really knew it was anxiety. I had been, they had, they said it was like thyroid and then they said it was um, blood pressure and blood sugar and and then it took one day I was at work and I was wearing this sort of like tight top and I had a coffee and I just started feeling like my heart was going really weird and didn't know what what it was and I remember actually saying I need to take I need to take this off I can't breathe like I feel like this is really tight and so I actually t- I took off my bra from underneath my top and I was laying on the sofa at my work and my legs just started like shaking, like uncontrollably shaking. And I, my, I felt like my heart wasn't going at the right speed that it should have been or it was skipping. I just, and it made me anxious and I just was involuntary shaking. And so my boss had called um, an ambulance and I got taken to the Gold Coast Hospital. And I was laying there and then I felt... I'm fine. Like, I'm all right. But they said, look, because you said it was your heart, we're just going to put a heart monitor on you and see what's wrong. And I was laying in the bed and I needed to go to the toilet. And they said, that's fine. So I got up to go to the toilet. My mum was in the thing with me. And I just started feeling like my nose was tingling and my, my tips and my fingers were tingling, my toes were tingling, all my extremities just were tingling. And so... My mum was banging on the door going, Danielle, are you okay? Are you okay, Danielle? Danielle, are you all right? And I was going, why are they freaking out? Like how do they know that I don't feel okay? Because I forgot I had the heart monitor on. And they came in and they're like, your heart is at 178 beats per minute. Wow. And And so they laid me down and from that point on for four days, it was over the Australia Day long weekend. I remember I wasn't allowed to... I wasn't allowed to go home for four days. I was in bed and I wasn't allowed to stand up because every time I stood up, my heart rate would go really high and my blood pressure, I can't remember if it dropped or it went higher. I can't remember how it works. But um, And so they were doing these like tests where they would get me to, st- they would take my heart rate laying down and then sitting up, then standing up. And with any normal body, your heart rate will, um, will, go up as soon as you stand up. It's just what happens. But your body should be able to um, bring it back to normal, if you know what I mean, like, and bring it back down. But mine wasn't. So they would do a test where I was standing there for a minute after I was standing, five minutes, and my heart rate was just staying excessively really high and then it wouldn't go back down until I laid down. So I had every test known to man. And I remember 
laying there, I would get so anxious because I didn't know what was wrong with me if they were going to find out what was wrong with me. And my legs would do the same thing where it was shaking. And I remember everyone having to hold down my legs to get me to sort of calm down. Mm. And um, I'm actually like shaky thinking about it. And then the doctor just came in on the last day and was like, you just have anxiety and it's causing POTS syndrome, which is like postural also something, tachycardia. And I was like, oh, okay. And they're like, but it's caused from anxiety. So we'll just get you on some like better blockers and then um, you just have some rest, eat really healthy, no caffeine, nothing like that. And I was just like, how are you going to let me walk out of here? Like I was so anxious. So it took me quite some time to work out that I needed to be kinder to myself, my body, but it was it was caused from anxiety. So I started seeing a psychologist and everything and, they, you know, they give you all the different tips and tricks and, you know, I thought you'd go in there and they'll give you all the answers. They don't mm. give you the answers at all. You have to find the answers yourself. I never really knew what was causing these anxiety attacks that were then getting that bad that they were causing physical reaction from my body. And um, this went on for a few years, but I was never, that was my worst. That was the worst that I ever had. And I sort of like tried to deal with it in the best that I could. So then fast forward to 24 and, you know, I, I was in a relationship. Can I just jump in for a sec? Yeah. When did, when did the anxiety attacks start? When did, at what age did they start? Do you know, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, thinking about this podcast. And if you had, I can remember having, like actively remember having them probably, you know, around high school, end of high school. I remember being at Rabina Town Shopping Centre and I was looking after my little sister. Now, she was old enough that my mum would let me look after her, but young enough that she was quite young. So I can't exactly remember the age. And my little brother was there and I went to order a meatball subway. And I remember that because I couldn't eat meatball subways for a long time after. And um, I was starting to feel anxious. Now, nothing triggered this. There was no trigger for it. And... I remember sitting down and all of a sudden I just went completely blurry. Like I couldn't see a thing, but I had had a phone that had buttons and I remember if I pressed a button twice, it would go to like my call log and it would call the last person that I called. So, again, that sort of gives you an idea of how old I would have been to have a phone like that. And I called my mum and I said, mum, I can't see, I can't see. She goes, where are you? And I said, I'm at Rabina Town Shopping Centre. I'm in the food court. And she called security and I started to come back and it was just really, it was just like, I don't know how to describe it. It's just everything went really blurry and, and black. And the security guard came and got me and mum was so stressed because I obviously had my little sister and my little brother with me at the time that I was meant to be looking after. And um, and we never knew what that came from. Like we just thought, oh, it seemed to happen every sort of month maybe. It was just something to do with my hormones. Um, something was out of balance. And then again it happened at hospital. But coming back to I do remember being a little kid and 
I remember, I don't know if my mum would remember this or my dad, but I remember hiding in the cupboard and saying to mum, I feel like the noises are really loud that should be quiet and the little noises that are quiet are really loud. Did I say that the right way? The noises were different. And I don't know why I had that anxiety or why, what was causing that panic attack or why I needed to be in this little safe bubble that I was in. I had no like trauma growing up. There was nothing like that. I was in a loving household and I had everything. So I don't know what sort of just gave me that anxiety, but I do remember having moments like that when I was little. So perhaps it's just something that it took me a long time to get on top of and and recognise. I think that's a huge part of having anxiety is recognising this is anxiety. I'm not feeling okay right now. I'm getting really anxious. This is what I need to do to get myself out of it before it escalates to a point that I can't control it and it becomes, you know, a physical response. That's where I think it started. Yeah, well, there's a lot of smarter people than me that understand and can operate at that level where they can help people with with that sort of debilitating anxiety. And I didn't know that about you, Danny, and I'm glad you shared that with us. And we're going to fast forward in a minute, but obviously something didn't make you feel safe. Yeah, I think... I don't know. I really, I've, I've really tried to wrap my brain as to why sometimes. And I always remembered like just even the ones like when I was a teenager having it because obviously I can remember them quite well. I feel as though there was just a lot of pressure coming from all different angles of, you know, especially in high school. I was, I was being, I was the school captain I was doing a school-based apprenticeship in graphic design. I was working another job at the same time while trying to go through um, my GCSEs. Is that what we have? I can't remember. Um, So I was trying to do all of that at the same time. And it's not like one thing happened and I just, oh, my gosh, I can't deal with this. I'm having an anxiety attack. I think in my brain and how it works is it's just like this – snowball it just snowballs and snowballs and snowballs and it could be something as tiny as is that one time I was at work and I had a coffee and it got my heart beating a little bit more than it should have been and I probably didn't have enough sleep or something and it just there I went do you know like that is what I've come down to it being because I noticed that even now like you know under a lot of pressure and there was a couple of weeks ago where I just, I was having a really anxious day and I knew I just had too much pressure from all different angles and it was just building up over the weeks and weeks and weeks and I needed to take the time to recognise it and come out of that. So, well, it sounds like you've got some, Yeah, it sounds like you've got some good tools that you used and you're aware of it and I think yeah. it might be for a private conversation <laughs> later on. We, we don't want to dig up where, you, where the main root of your your anxiety maybe have come from on on this yeah. podcast, but um, <laughs> I'd love to um, have more of a conversation with you around that. What happened at 24? So I was in a relationship, um, you know, a long-term relationship, and, you know, we had a house, we had a dog, we had interconnecting friends and, you know, 
you're you're one of those people as well. You know, I met you through this beautiful connection of different people and families are intertwined and you know what it's like you know everyone is always intertwined when you're in a relationship there's everything's connected and so you know to come home one day and that relationship be ended and I felt quite blindsided at the time and you know I I look back and and I, you know, I, I see all the signs that led to that. But at the time, I just really didn't expect that to happen. And it brought back all of these emotions and just the physical thing of of packing up a house and and trying to like divvy everything up. Like, you know, I'm looking at three mashed potato mashes. Like, which one do I take? It was all these like tiny little things that I thought this is this new chapter and I just was so not ready for it. I so wasn't expecting it. And I think it comes down to more than just losing one person. It's losing the whole world that you've built around that, that I really, really found it quite difficult. And I felt as though I sort of failed in a way because I, you know, I had to go back to living at my dad's um, and, the only thing that stayed the same was that I had I had the dog, do you know, like that was in my work and my certain friends that I had as well. But, but that was the only thing and I had to sort of start fresh. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not the first person to go through a breakup. Like I completely know that. But it was the first time that I was going through one of this of this sort of degree and it was really really difficult for me to sort of come out of never being an adult and never being sorry I've always been an adult but like never been an adult who has had to be by themselves yeah and learning the things that I enjoy doing because I'm a really I'm a really easygoing person you know I'm always someone who's oh I don't mind what we listen to or I don't you know, I don't mind what we eat for dinner because I don't mind. Like, I'm happy to have whatever you want to have. So to suddenly have to make all these decisions on my own was really, really difficult. And it, it brought back a lot of anxiety. So, you know, I remember the mashed potato incident <laughs> where I was going, which one do I take? And I was I was looking at this house, this beautiful house that we'd set up and a business that we had and everything and going, we have to tear this all down. We have to take photos off the wall. And I had a full-on anxiety attack. And I remember driving to my dad's work, which I probably shouldn't have done while having an anxiety attack, but it was the closest person to get to. And my dad is really good because, you know, he he can stay quite level-headed and not let me see that emotion to keep me sort of in line, if you know what I mean. And, yeah. and you know, my mum is absolutely beautiful. My mum has the heart of gold, but she feels what I feel. Yeah. Sometimes when you're in that moment, That's a you need someone who's, yeah, she feels it and I hate to see that. So I, um, I remember going to dad's work and I fell on the ground and I was just like, I couldn't eat I remember him coming home and being like you need to eat darling like you need to have food I just I couldn't eat I just was so I was so worried about 
where my next step was going to be, what I was going to do. And um, I think that's where the struggle come from. Obviously, you know, it hurt at the time, you know, someone not wanting to be with you. But now that I'm older and now that I'm in, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in this beautiful relationship with Carl and I see a completely, I, I see things from a completely different perspective. It was exactly what I needed at the exact right time and I would never regret anything. I would never regret my time because I think, you know, you spend time with people in your life and you have different chapters. But it was what made me take the step and become an artist and I think it's really, really important that I never lose sight of that was a really huge time in my life. So basically what happened was I went to this site um, psychologist or counsellor to try and help deal with the anxieties <laughs> remember him saying because I struggled with knowing what was next I I was just like you know what what am I going to do next where am I going to live what am I going to do this and he said right get a piece of paper right now and he goes I want you to write down tonight's lotto numbers and I was like so weird <laughs> and I wrote them down and he goes okay if, the, if you win lotto tonight, you can tell the future. If you can't, I need you to understand you do not have the answers to what the future is going to be. You just need to let them roll out. Wow. And it was a really simple exercise, but it really got me thinking, okay, I don't know what's going to happen. And then he told me another thing. He said, I need you to start doing something you love and drawing or something that just takes your mind off things and go to a beautiful place, go to somewhere that you love, doing something that you enjoy. And I thought, how is he going to get me to draw? Like, I'm creative, but I can't bloody draw. And I tried drawing, like, faces and that. It was really bad. <laughs> and um, so I started drawing these mandalas. And so mandala is just, like, a whole lot of simple lines and circles and squares and shapes and they just make a bigger complex image yeah. so if you look at them from a whole you think oh that's really tough for someone to draw but if you can draw a line you're just repeating that it's layers and layers yeah. and so I started drawing them and <laughs> it sounds really like silly but I started like hiding little things and like each layer represented a different person or like I was finding, like, just a deeper level to it. And no one will ever know what those mandalas meant. Like, I probably can't even remember myself. But I would go to Burley Hill, which is my favourite place in the world, yeah. and get a coffee in the morning before work, watch the sunrise, watch the surfers going in, and just draw. And yeah. that's kind of how I was able to get myself out of that because it was it was the task of doing something that didn't take a lot of thinking. You don't need to think how to draw a line, do you know? Like you have to be present. You can still be present where you are, but it gives you that sense of achievement when you've completed it. You think, oh, wow, it looks really, really cool. Like I love that. And that's sort of how I dealt with anxiety. So anytime that I felt it, I would just go and draw and it had this reward, rewarding effect on me. Yeah. So that's what happened. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I love the fact that it was a creative thing. And I hear that so often. Like I know someone 
uh, very close to me who um, struggled with anorexia nervosa and one of the things that helped them come out of it was renovating an old Queenslander. And so they were completely removed from what they normally think and they were anchored into a creative gift. Yeah. What I, what I want to know is so you were hiding Where's Wally's in your art. <laughs> so now we have to go back to all the mandalas you've ever put anywhere that we know and try and find the Wally. Yeah, there's been quite a few. <laughs> all the subliminal there's, messages um, you've put in there, like, yeah. And I still do it now. Like if you look at my art now and I have all those maps, there is yeah. Where's Wally's right through it. Oh, and it's so completely good. different. Like I don't draw mandalas anymore. I, no. I draw like cities and, and all different things. And I just love that idea of, of I think it comes down to adding a personality to something. Yeah. You know, for me now with my art now, I'm I'm trying to draw the personality of a city. Yeah. So what makes that that? But back then it was just like I was trying to like draw my personality. And I think it helped me kind of like come to terms with who I was and who I am and all that sort of stuff um, by just hiding all these <laughs> little things right through them. <laughs> I, I, I would love that too. Oh, some of the messages I'd hide in there would be, yeah, oh, probably not good to I interpret. Had, I had like swear words right through them. <laughs> like, just had like some layers. So you wouldn't even know. It just says fuck, 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 fuck. It's so good. Oh, that's going to be so good. That's so good. Oh, well, um, yeah. That's a, a mind-blowing answer really because, you know, the, the left side or the creative side of the brain is different than the other side, you know. And um, animal anxiety comes from a place of fight or flight. You know, it's our amygdala. And we so often just get stuck in that place and, we need something to get us back into our logical, practical presence set of mindset and there's a lot of different tools for it. And I am so bloody proud of you for... Mm. Oh, don't tear up. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, just... Yeah, you've been in our world for a long time, Danny, and, and I am so bloody proud of you for... Just keeping going, and there's an answer. There's there's an answer. You, you, you're going to make it through this, and and understanding where it started, it blows me away that there is so many people who suffer with anxiety or some sort of thing like this that carry it for so long, and and it's and it's not open. Um, but you have been open about it, and you've you found uh, freedom in your creativity to be able to deal with your anxiety, but then it's taken you to another level of influence around the world. And so I'm hoping that people listening can hear that anxiety is not the end. You know, it, it can actually be the beginning. You know, sometimes it, these things that are traumas to us can be a gift to us. And you obviously were never a victim of it. I mean, it may have been something that happened to but you've taken responsibility for your reactions to it and your responses to it and developed an incredible life and and you're only young. <laughs> oh, my God, you're mm -hmm. st still so young, got so much more to achieve. So I'm looking forward to the blooming more of Danny and where it goes. And so that I appreciate your vulnerability too and also your respect 
uh, for the way you delivered that. And uh, if no one else out there is crying, well, I'm crying all for you. It, <laughs> it was, it was, it was good. Just and you know what? Everywhere that anyone sees your now art, it's going to be totally examined. And I hope that they start taking <laughs> photos of it and tagging you in. We found a fuck. We found a fuck. We found a fuck. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's so, so good. That's so, that's, I'm going to more now. Yeah, it's actually worth more money. That you know, I think that that thing. Yeah, like, yeah I'm going to put some secrets in there. Some some liminal messages. <laughs> it makes it fun. Like I think it makes it really fun. Like, I remember the first mural I did. Oh, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like asked if I could paint a wall and didn't think they'd say yes and they messaged me the next day and like yeah you can paint it and I thought how am I going to paint this wall and you know like it took me a lot longer than what it would now but I got it done but I remember like the owner coming in he started like drawing all like like dicks in the artwork (laughs) (laughs) and then the next day the other owner came in and was like Donna, you need to remove the dicks from the mural. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, but the other owner did that. And like you couldn't tell when you looked at it from afar because it was like a mandala pattern. So you actually couldn't see it unless you were looking for it. So I sort of like, he goes, you can keep it in, but can you make it less obvious? And so for years now, that mural is painted over now. I don't know why they painted over it, but it is. But um, maybe because someone found the dick. But like, <laughs> Um, it's a funny thing to be looking they, for in a piece of art, though, isn't it? Really, I know it was it was the strangest thing, but like no one would know that it was there. Like it was just a funny little thing, unless you were making like a real effort to try and look for things. And I think I also have that. I don't, I can't remember what they call it. It's like this thing where you see faces in clouds and like in wood grain and everything. I have that, like you wouldn't yeah. believe. Like I see things, like do you know you, you see like a two screws and it look like an eye and then maybe there's like a hinge that looks like a mouth. Like yeah. I see that all the time. Maybe yeah. I'm a bit That's like, really creative. Yeah, that's really the creative. I was going to answer you with, no, that's the cheeky, putting that stuff in the art. That's the cheeky side of Danny and there definitely is a cheeky <laughs> side of Danny. Look, you've been away now. Um and again, I really appreciate you being that vulnerable with that, that other stuff. And I uh, don't mean to make light of it with the jokes, but it, it's worthy no, of laughing at. No, we have to. That's what we, we do in to, life. That's exactly, exactly. So you've been away for a long time and during the last couple of years, um, you haven't been able to come back and forward as much, but now we're all open and everything like that. But what has been the effects of COVID on you guys being so far away from home? Well, especially you, I mean, you've been stuck in Ireland and I'm not going to say the name of the town again in case I really do get in trouble. Valley Castle. <laughs> Valley Castle. Valley Castle. Like this, like I can feel my eyes getting teary already. Um, so when I first moved abroad, as I said earlier, like I thought I was going to be gone for three months or something. It was just like a, a summer that I was going to have. And, you know, the goal was three months, maybe six months. And I came over here and landed in Belfast. So to give a bit of story, because everyone over here says, why would you come to an island? Like, um, you know, we normally go to Australia. (laughs) So my mum's from Belfast. My granny lives in Belfast. I came over to visit my granny just before I was going to go live in the Netherlands. And I got a mural job, which I thought was like 
so cool that someone on the other side of the world wanted me to do a mural. And that mural turned into four murals in the space of two weeks. Wow. So I didn't get to see my granny for very for very much time during that two weeks. So I went to the Netherlands, tried to get work, couldn't get work. It was a mission. And I just, I can't speak Dutch. No matter how much I tried, can't roll my R's, can't speak Dutch. <laughs> um, so I kept flying back to Belfast to do more jobs because they'd just be flowing in. And Belfast is just... Belfast is a place that has a lot of history. There's been a lot of, of trouble in Belfast, in you know, in the past. Um, and that was the reason my mum had left there when she was six, because of the troubles. Um, my grandparents took them out to Australia and then grandparents came back. So I was sort of coming into this city that was starting to sort of really push tourism and, and everything again. But the people are just so lovely and welcoming and so happy to always see tourists come to their, their their city because they never had that in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. Like they didn't have that. So I came over here and um, started doing work and that's where I met Carl and, you know, much to everyone's thing. I've got a boyfriend. Oh, does that mean you're not coming home? But for me it was like, I'm only ever a flight away. I'm only ever, you know, a plane ticket price away, if you know what I mean. It's 24 hours. It can get home if anything needs to. And when I do go home, we have the most beautiful time with everyone. You know, as we know, I come back and we'll have family dinners and we'll go out and do things and have like beach days. And you create such a bulk amount of memories in a short amount of time, but they're beautiful. Um, So... That was kind of like this positive. So when COVID had hit, well, sorry, I need to backtrack. So just as COVID was starting, it was in December sort of thing. I was out in Australia and it hadn't quite hit the rest of the world, but we knew something was going on. And um, I, I went back to Ireland and was getting back into work and I woke up one day, now this was February, end of February, so just before we all went into lockdown, and I woke up and had all these missed calls from Dad. And um, I thought, oh, I, I turned to Carl, I was in bed, and I said, something's happened. And, oh, it's going to be hard. But um, I, I called Dad back, and then Dad was sitting, it was on FaceTime, Dad was sitting in my mum's house. And I thought that's really weird because I could see from the frame behind me, and he just turned around and and this is he, they he just said it very blunt, very to the point that my nephew had had passed away, and that was really difficult for me because here I was on the other side of the world. Oh, I need to get it together, and I couldn't be there for you. Don't have to my get family. It you don't have to get it together. Do you? <laughs> Otherwise, you won't be able to hear me. <laughs> um, I needed to, I couldn't be there for my family. And it was kind of like this whole bubble of living on the other side of the world and oh, having so much fun. I'm traveling and doing this and creating art. None of that mattered because my family was going through such a huge loss. And I think it's every loss is, is terrible, every loss is horrible. But when it's a really young child who never really got the chance to have a life, you know, he was 13, 
I was really struggling. I didn't know what to do and I couldn't couldn't have that physical connection. I couldn't give them a hug or anything like that. And so the decision was made to travel back to Australia for his funeral and we got back um, and we were there for two weeks. Now, this was actually Carl's first time being able to get out to Australia because there were some delays on his visa and that, and we finally got it. And so it was this weird thing where we were trying to, Carl was meeting everyone for the first time in person. We'd met them online and everything, but in person, um, but under the worst circumstances possible. And, you know, he was really like a, a big light and to our family during that time. And then we had to leave because we needed to get back to work and we needed to get back to, you know, Carl's little boy, Joshua, as well. And so we left and I remember sitting at the airport and it came on over the news that Australia was going um, to close their borders. And anyone who got on that flight as of 12 o'clock that night would have to do two-week quarantine upon return. And I thought, do I get on this flight? Now, it came out in the media for a long time after this. You know, everyone said... um, well, they should have come home. Australians went home. They should have come home. They shouldn't have been living abroad if they didn't want to be apart from their families. But I had built this life and, you know, a partner, we had a house. We had, you know, his little boy, our business, everything. And it's set up. But I just had this, like, idea that I was only ever going to be 24 hours away, but that was no longer the point. That's no longer the case, sorry. Like, I wasn't. And so I thought this was only going to be like a short-term thing. I said to mom, don't worry, we'll be back for Christmas. This will all be over. And we come back and it was St. Patrick's Day and we had got into a full lockdown here, full-on lockdown. And all our work went um, and, you know, we had to quickly learn resilience and try and find other means of work and, you know, being in the house and, I was constantly waking up every morning, checking my phone with this anxiety that if there's going to be multiple missed calls again, you know, like of of just going and learning how to go through grief away from my support network, but also not wanting to tell my support network that I was feeling really vulnerable sometimes because like I wouldn't want to call you guys or my mum on that and be like, I'm having a really tough time because I wouldn't want you to see that I was feeling homesick. So this went on for two years. We had cancelled flights. Um, We had all the borders shut. And also there was this, like, stigma that people, expats overseas weren't allowed to miss home because they made the decision to leave. So there was a a lot of, like, moving parts to that whole thing of, like, grieving of missing home of the unknown of not knowing when I could come home of the isolation of the anxiety of being in a pandemic as well and I'm not the only one there's people who who lost you know who are like me who lived in London maybe and lost loved ones and couldn't get back for funerals and you know I missed I missed a lot of events that's part of living abroad but not having the freedom to be able to get on a flight and go home if you need to 
was taken away and it was such a difficult thing to go through. So definitely made me really have to be a strong person to sort of deal with that. I know that was a lot, sorry. (laughs) Oh, no. I can't, I probably can't sympathise because I hear, I definitely can empathise with with that, Danny, because we're, we're always here for you. Um, mm. But having hearing that you had to go through the grief alone and you were trying to be strong because you didn't want anyone else to feel that you were struggling, like, I've got to let you know, you, you should be ringing us all the time, if that's the case, or anyone. Any of your friends, we um we don't. We, you might be abroad, but you're always in our hearts. So, um, thank you for sharing. Really appreciate you sharing that. We had a couple of other questions. I'm just going to skip over them because I think you've answered everything anyway. <laughs> um, how are you guys now with with the like the the effect? Is it have you guys healed? Are you are you now you can get on a plane and come home anytime you want to? It was so nice to be able to like finally get home, you know, when I got home for my 30th and and having that moment of being able to share with everyone and also having that feeling again where you're like, oh, I am only like 24 hours away now. You know, like it's the world is healed. Um, It was just this small chapter that like what I did during that time was I wasn't going to let that time go to waste. Like don't get me wrong. There was times where I was really like upset and hurt. But at the same time, I use that to be like, I'm going to work my butt off and make it worth that time away, yes, make it worth that time. So, like, you know, like I, I did as much as I could. And obviously, like a lot of our work was taken away during that time with, you know, hospitality closing, which was a huge part, a huge clients of ours. But I, I put it into all my online stuff and, you know, online was going really, really well for me. Um, so, you know, that's where that resilience comes into it. But now, like, I feel like you wouldn't even know that, you know, we've gone through this again. But, you know, we've got so many exciting opportunities coming. And, of course, like, we've just moved into our new studio. And so we were living in Belfast, but we've moved up to Bellacastle, which is where Carl's family lives. So we're really, really nice and close with his family. Like, you know, we can... He's, he's the type of family that, you know, everyone nips in on Sunday morning and all has breakfast together and, you know, like they come in every day and, and you know, like we just spend a lot of time sort of surrounded by, you know, a different a different bubble of people, you know, our, our Irish family of, of people. So it's nice. We're down by the sea, which is beautiful to be by. So we're not in the city anymore. We've got, we can see Scotland. <laughs> oh. Oh, awesome. Well, I, I just crap music. <laughs> I just want to give you like if you could just give everyone like a an I like and you have done a little bit, but an idea of your style of art. Um, you know how you started with Mandela's, but for people that actually haven't seen it, what, what would you call it? And and I know that you're hiding all these funny messages in your art now, so everyone's going to be looking for it. But if you could just capture it, just so people can understand it a little bit more so I do two different types of things I think my business is broken up into two sections so I have a lot of the mural work that I do um this is probably my bread and butter this is um a lot of corporate clients 
bars, cafes. So we just did one at the airport. You get um, councils contact you to paint street art. So it could be private institutes that you're inside of their properties doing murals. And you'll always get a brief, um, but I mix it in with my style of, of art, which, you know, is a typical, typically like a line art style mixed with typography and florals. And I love putting landmarks and, you know, that architecture type of stuff. And then the other side of it would be my online illustrations. So these are all different countries and cities. So they're really inspired by, you know, when I'm traveling through. So I try and capture the personality of either the city or the the country. So, for example, if it's like the Australian map, it would be the shape of Australia, but it has all the different key landmarks and pop culture references and people and funny little slang and the more you look the more you'll find it'll be like you know yeah for example on the Australian one there's like a prawn on a barbie um but it's actually like a barbie doll wearing a prawn (laughs) if that makes sense so like it's little tiny things you kind of got to think about it yeah um and I I love that because and then people can personalize it and put their name in it and then I print them. So I have all the big printers in my studio. I do it all in-house um, and they can make them personalized and that's the the other side of my business. But then there is a small tiny bit where I do a lot of like illustration stuff for like digital illustrations for companies, you know, making their packaging and all that sort of stuff. That's just a small part of it. Well, so we're going to put in the show notes for everyone where they can where they can actually reach out to you and get an order and get your art and have a good look at it and look for all the little subliminal messages like a Barbie wearing a prawn, um, uh, which is a which is a, a head nod to a, a straw ship on the Barbie here in Australia. Um, <laughs> which we don't say. <laughs> <laughs> which you don't say. Um, so I just want to ask you this, Danny, do you have a mission? Uh, 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 and that will obviously come from a place of who you are rather than what you do? I really, like, my mission is to really, like, it's split into two. Like, I really want to set myself, my family, my loved ones up in a way of, like, of working hard, being the best person I can, exploring, travelling, all that sort of stuff. But then there's this side where I really also want to be able to encourage people to to get creative in any means I'm not saying drawing it could be anything and using that as a way to be able to deal with anxiety and you know throughout the pandemic I was doing online um, mandala lessons and it was beautiful I loved that you know it might sound selfish but I love that feeling of of when someone says like I, this is what I look forward to in the week of being creative. Like, you know, I was really looking forward to this and I loved it so much. And, you know, I, maybe I've had a, a bad day and I've just loved creating. I really lost myself in it. It's it's such a, a nice feeling knowing that you've been able to help someone because there was someone who helped me back when I was feeling that, you know, by suggesting that I do that. Yeah. I think that's a huge part of of what I would like to see myself doing and a bit more than what I probably am at the moment as well. I'd love to sort of grow into that and we've actually got this space 
now the studio and you can't see it, but it's a long table that we're going to turn into workshops and everything so that people can can do that as well and learn the tools to be able to be creative um, yeah. on their own. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so that actually segues into, you know, what, what would be the piece of advice that you would share with someone who's not sure on their gift? I think you just need to, like, jump right in. I think the more you think about it, am I good at this, am I gonna good at that, allow yourself to fail. Like, that's okay. Like, I don't think it is a fail. I think everything you do is either a lesson or a blessing. Like, you need to – if you – if you say, look, I want to try and learn how to um, play the guitar, I don't know, you need to, the first step to doing that is to do it. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you obviously need to look into it. But the more you say, I want to do this, I want to do that, blah, 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 you need to actually physically make an attempt to actually begin the process of it. Yeah. So I think with anything that you want to do, are you working towards that goal every single day? doesn't mean that you need to be making massive strides to it, but is what you're doing in your day-to-day going to get you to that? So if you want to be an artist, are you drawing at least, you know, once a day to get better at what you do? Because you're never, you're never going to reach a point that you're like, all right, a plateau, this is as good as I'm going to get. You're always going to get better the more you practice. But if you're sitting at home going, oh, I wish I was an artist, but you're not actually making active steps towards it, you're never going to get there. Yeah. So I think I think it's just just go and do it. Like yeah. Make that first step. That's great advice, isn't it? It's like the dream big, start small, trust the process. Yeah, so, trust the process is huge. I, yeah. people, people <laughs> I miss remind that. myself that every time. People, people miss that, don't they? they? I've got a big dream and – but they never understand you've got to start small, which is like you're saying, get off your yeah. ass, pick up the guitar and strum, and that's you've started, yeah. and then do that every but day. But I also want to say you can't just like go, oh, I'm going to quit my job and I'm like <laughs> all of a sudden going to do this. There yeah. takes a lot of like back work, but that's the back work that you need to start on. Yeah. Very just good. in case someone like randomly like puts their resignation letter in after hearing that. <laughs> I'm going to start drawing mandalas and I've quit tomorrow. Yeah. No, don't There's do someone that. someone at Fairly Hill yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. No, please don't do that, anybody. Um, yeah. yeah. So what would you say to your 10-year-old self now? 10-year-old self. And, and I'll let you think I, about I'll let you think about that for a minute. And recently I've been seeing – my counsellor, which I see regularly, and we've been having this dialogue. What would you? What do you say to your six-year-old self? And we've got an episode coming out next week with Tim Buxton, and it was just so beautiful what he said about that. That's how he finds joy. Is is how how can I not love my three-year-old, six-year-old self? And that's how he finds joy. So I just wanted to give some context to why would we ask that question and why. And mm. why would we expect answers? So what would you say to your 10-year-old self now? I think the first thing is obviously like trying to like put yourself in the mindset of being the 10-year-old self. And, you know, when I think back 10 years old and I was in year five, um, I felt as though I was I was quite bullied at school for being, you know, like the 
teacher's pet or whatever, you know, like I I felt as though that, you know, I wasn't comfortable with myself, you know, I felt like I had a face full of freckles and I, I just, this is what I am, I remember of being that age. I just remember feeling like I wasn't, I wouldn't say good enough. Like I knew like that I was a good person or whatnot, but I just, I had this, like I'd come home from school and I, I hated the people that I went to school with because I felt like they didn't like me. But I think now that I've grown up, there was nothing ever wrong with who I was. There was nothing wrong with being ambitious and being nice towards your teachers. And, you know, it was nothing wrong with the freckles on the face. Like, you know, they add character to you, who you are, and embrace that and love that and, and don't ever shy away from what you feel that you need to be, like, it's okay to do well at school. It's okay to be that, like, that's who you are. Um, I think that's maybe what I would tell myself, if you know what I mean. I think that's maybe what I think is more so what I needed to know at that age, is that that was okay to be who I was. Yeah, well, again, another piece of great advice. I, th- I think that's going to make it to a soundbite, that one for sure. And and, <laughs> you're, so, and you're so right, like, we, you were so right that – we measure ourselves from, you know, like calling it the perspective ladder. When you climb it and you look back down, you can see things. My my actually my coach actually calls it, calls it um, seeing the label from the outside of the jar. You know, it's a different perspective. But what great advice for for and I and I really do hope that any young person that's listening hears what Danny said. She's the most beautiful person inside and out, and for her to be able to say that to herself back then would have been gold. Just give yourself a break. You are who you are and it's it's gonna it's all gonna turn out amazing and just stay the course, you know. So with your um mission and you really emerging as um I'm getting sad because it's we're coming to the end of our time. Like we've actually been recording for quite a long time, longer than anyone else. Um <laughs> and I'm and I'm no, no, I'm really stoked because and I'm purposely dragging the chain today because uh, getting to see you is like uh, we're hanging out together here, you know. Yeah. We could, we could, if we had a drink, we could even cheers together. There's no <laughs> water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I know that Mia's loving it too because she's getting to see you a bit uh, as well. So I'm, I'm dragging the chain a little bit. But what I want to ask you is with your mission and with you becoming who you are and, and which is so inspiring – and I say becoming because I don't believe we're ever we'll ever get there this side of eternity. I, I think that we just keep growing as people and just try. And we said earlier, just trying to better ourselves each day and just by the small increments. We don't need to take big chunks and and which was really good advice as well, Danny. Um, but how can I help you? How can you help me? You as in you? Yeah. How can, how can <laughs> oh, I help? Look. Look, I think like I have always known that with with you in particular, like you were always obviously a phone call away or anytime we are there, you are the greatest support, you're full of wisdom. And, you know, I said to you when, when I heard the trailer of, of this podcast, I started crying. I was in the car and I was like, why am I crying? Like you were talking about your family and that. I think it comes down to like, you have 
a beautiful soul and intention behind everything that you say. And so it's really nice that if I was ever feeling as though like I needed your guidance, I think you have a lot of guidance um, to give to anyone. Like it's, I feel like it's this free thing that you love to give. Um, that you, it would always come from an honest place and and a, a beautiful place. But I think it also is just hanging out and like you know I can't wait to get back there and you know have a family dinner. Oh, can like Amanda yeah. cook me like something delicious or yeah. one of those platters? Yeah. Like <laughs> it's that just normal connection of a friendship is so important. It's really important to surround yourself with people like yourself whoever is listening, like just have people who motivate you and love you and want the absolute best for you. Well, again, I didn't have the intention for you to blow me up at all with that question. It was it was genuine and someone else has done the same thing to me. So, yeah, I appreciate that. I just, um, I'll just keep being me then if that's what's helping that's, you. I think that's the answer. You just need to keep being you. Even this podcast, like doing this podcast and for us to sit down, like I've known you for a long time and obviously we've had really in-depth conversations and you've been there through, you know, quite a few different chapters, let's say. Yeah. But this is probably, you know, this first time that we've been able to just really delve deep and be raw and honest, like we always have, but like, yeah. you know, this has given the capability of, of being able to do that on a on a greater scale. So you be you. Yeah. <laughs> I will. And 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 that's part of one of my my missions and one of my values is or one of my why statements is to shine my light bright and uh but Doing that is to help others shine their light bright. And I love your light, Danny. you got to keep shining it. Um, the world loves you. And the more people that can hear that deep inner person, that you, what you've been through with your struggles, with anxiety and the, the shifts and changes and what you've had to, had to navigate through, um, they're, they're all going to be better for hearing it from you. We have one last thing to do. And now you've listened to a few podcasts, so you bloody well know this is coming. I'm sure you do. I actually can't remember. Oh, oh no, good. What is it? Oh, good. I remember Josh saying something about this, but I can't remember what the question was. But, um, we have one last thing to do. Um, and this is one of my favourite parts of it because it's actually really good. And I realised that I'm going to have to change this for the next season because everyone will have known and any guests that come on will have listened and they're going to go, yeah, he's going to do this to me. So we've got to really – I'm going to have to talk with my, um, my, my podcast manager about how we're going to change this so we surprise them even more. But it is the quick three. Oh, that's right. That's right. You remember now. Okay, yeah, so, but I can't remember what the quick three was about, but I remember no, it was a quick no. three. Okay, it's the quick three. And I did steal this from somewhere. Someone else had a format similar. Um, they had okay. five and I can't do five. I have to do three. Anyway, okay. so you've just got to answer these straight off the cuff, off the top of your head. Who's your hero? Mum, dad. What is the worst piece of advice or thing that someone has ever said to you? That's so weird. I'm so sorry, but my dad is literally calling me. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I wasn't listening. My, dad, my dad's like, I'm your hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's not live, so I don't know how he got that. It's a premonition maybe. 
He thought that I'm really sorry. I didn't. I didn't hear the second question. Okay, so, is, what is the worst piece of advice or thing that somebody has said to you? Oh, it would have to be like that one where someone said to me, "Oh, like I can't believe you you'd pack up your whole life and you know this hope like that." But that was also good in a way. I took that in a good way. But yeah. I kind of thought that was a really stupid thing to say. Yeah. Uh, what is the best piece of advice or something that somebody said to you? Oh, go down a belly hill and start drawing. Like that was 100%. Like just do something that you love in a place that you love, surrounded by people you love. Wow. How cool. Well, that is the end of our time. Loved having you on, Danny. Really have. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. That was the end of another episode. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to rate, review and subscribe as this will help me get my message out to more people. If you've heard anything today that has resonated with you, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Nath Cartledge. All the other ways to contact me will be in the show notes. I'd love to chat and hear your thoughts. Can't wait to Conflab next week. 